Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday night segment of The Outer Realm. We're broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, UFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 FM. Oh, and again, 107.7 FM in New Orleans. You heard that right? Two FM stations. Double trouble. Anyway, more place to go and love us up. So we're fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our journey since the very beginning. So we're just so appreciative of you, Folgers. Thank you so much. It would not be the same without you on this amazing, amazing journey. Also, big thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, Justin Snicker, for his contribution of time, his voice, his music, uh, for our intro and our outro. Uh, he's an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found basically anywhere that good music can be found, uh, specifically Bandcamp, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. So please go check him out. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind the logos for The Outer Realm. So you can find him on Instagram and Facebook. Does a lot of custom stuff, amazing stuff, and he's got a lot of stuff just ready to go. Also, really big into the horror genre, so check him out as well. Tonight, for the very first time, we welcome Dr. Simon Hine, and he's going to be discussing not just Bigfoot, but the whole phenomenon that surrounds Bigfoot and sightings and more. He's going to talk about crop circles. It's just, it's just phenomenal, um, the amount of information that he has. So really looking forward um, to hearing what he's got to say. But if you guys want to connect with us, same old, same old. Let's go to YouTube, UFO Gods, Extraterrestrials, The Outer Realm, um, UFO Paranormal Radio, and let's get over to Facebook with news on the flip side, Canada's Most Haunted with uh, Michelle DeRoche, uh, Joe Montaldo, UFO Undercover, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, and United Public Radio Network. And of course, da, 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 the Outer Realm with myself and Amelia. Mm-hmm. Hello, Doreen. Hi. So yeah, lots of fun. I'm just going to go ahead and send off the banner. Okay, one minute. Off he goes. Bam. 
Did you hear that? That's going off to the guest people. No, but I can give a brief intro. Yes, I, I wasn't sure how to pronounce his first name. So it is Simon. Okay. I'm taking a guess. I'm sure to correct us. I hope it's right. Yeah, I well, it's hard because it's is it Dr. Simeon or is it Dr. Simon? But Dr. Hein is a former university who <laughs> does. Yes. A former university professor in statistics and research methods. And in 1996, he actually came, uh, he was introduced to remote viewing and he was quite a skeptic and attended a class with surprising positive results, which later is the reason why he established the Nonprofit Institute for Resonance and began teaching remote viewing classes in Boulder, Colorado, and continues to teach online. And as Michelle mentioned, he's interested in topics of crop circles, unexplained aerial phenomena, and extraterrestrials. So I like it. Interesting yes, absolutely. He has a little write-up here. Um, it says a Bigfoot is an ancient primate or undiscovered human. Why is the creature seen around balls of light? Other paranormal phenomena. Um, he basically examines critical new scientific findings in coherent energy matter and how these ideas help explain seemingly paranormal phenomena like space-time anomalies, orbs seen around. Um, these beings and other mysterious cryptids. So it's like, oh, so I thought personally this was like a Bigfoot <laughs> thing, but apparently this is a cryptid thing, um, which kind Very of goes back to a lot of what, like what Ron Morehouse was saying when he was on the show um, back in October. So you guys should go check out that archive as well. It was really phenomenal, uh, phenomenal hmm. show, you know. I wonder if the cryptids and all these other interests came before or after the <laughs> remote viewing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Seriously, because, yeah. you know, I know for me, remote viewing came after because I didn't know that I was doing it. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I, I'm wondering. It's really fascinating. It'd be a good question to ask him because that's um, that's a, that's a great question. Thank you know, you. Uh, oh, hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. Greeting my spookies. Hello, Sue. Hello, <laughs> let's put, on some, hello, let's put up some of the greetings. Blessings New Zealand. See. How is it in New Zealand? There we go. Hello, hello, hello. Everybody's starting to tune in. This is wonderful. Hello, everybody. Oh, guest of honor. Ah, hello. Hello. How are nice. you? How's it going tonight? <laughs> Good. It's How going. are you? It's going a little colder. We are, yeah, it's all good. over. Yeah, a little. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. I, I have to say, I've really been looking forward um, to this segment because I love anything cryptid. I really do. I and, and there's so much information out there that, let's face it, people don't think about it. I yep. think, you know, we, there's, there's a lot of theories and you have a lot of division and you seem to be bringing some of it together, which to me is, is really fascinating. So I'm, I'm going to start off the way I usually start off, which is humble beginnings. Like one does not just, you know, wake up one day as a little child and go, this is what I'm going to do. But then again, there's some people have said to me, yeah, yeah, actually, um, I pretty much wanted to do this, you know, forever. Oh, look, we're worthy of porn again. Uh, say when you're hot, you're too. hot. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> it's, that like, just means that there's a lot of people. They They only 
do that to shows with high with uh, large audiences. So it's a good validation. Unfortunately, it's disgusting, but it's a good validation. I I had I just want to jump in quickly because I'm going to stay quiet because I I do want to learn more about you. Um, We were discussing you before you came on. And I asked Michelle, what came first, the chicken or the egg with you? Is it the remote viewing or was it the cryptids interest first? Wow, that's a really good question. Thank you. Yeah. Coming from the remote view. I I would just say that I'm openly weird. I love it. (laughs) Me too. I'm in the weirdo club. I'm proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Someone on Twitter described me that way the other day, and I I think it's true. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) no, actually, you know, I had read a few books as a teenager. Uh, I came across John Keel somewhere. Right. In ninth grade. Yeah. And that really that was, was you know, it made me think. Made me think about. Right. The whole multiverse thing. And it's got me wondering, I think, at an early age, was there something more than we were being taught in school? And then maybe if number of years later in college, I came across Timothy Good's book, mm-hmm. Above Top Secret. Uh, I think it was possibly at the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So there was stuff out there pretty early on. I mean, John Keel, to me, you know, really raised awareness on a different level, you know, with UFOs and Mothman and multiverses and things like that. So I, I was pretty hooked when I heard about him as well. Yeah. And I had had a UFO sighting with my mom in the Everglades in the early 1970s. I might have been about 11 or 12. You would. It's Florida. You left that out out of your bio. Yeah. (laughs) What's that, Amelia? I said you left that out of your bio. I would have led with that, just saying. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'll contact my agent and have her put it in the bio. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> it really happened. My mom was a bird watcher. She took me down to the Everglades uh, in 70, I would imagine 73, 74, sometime around there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I saw something overhead that I thought was the moon. And I said, hey, mom, look at the moon. Well, the moon was on the horizon coming up full. But this was bigger than that and it was overhead and it was glowing green and it had when we put our binoculars on it there was a pattern of straight line dots which immediately in my mind uh made it completely unexplainable because if it were some sort of cloud it wouldn't have structure within it right 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 and uh so there was structure within it and I thought maybe it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe there was a launch at Cape Canaveral that went awry and they blew the rocket up in space. They do this sometimes, not from Cape Canaveral, but you know, the rockets have a sort of self-destruct mechanism. But the weird thing was, as soon as we looked at it, it started moving, it was stationary. Then it didn't act like a cloud at all, moved into another cloud at rapidly. And then uh, as it got dark, we saw there was a blackout in the whole area. And we go to the ranger talk at the amphitheaters they have at national parks. And we sit down in the front row 
of the amphitheater on the benches that they have there. And the people sitting next to us had seen it too. Oh, wow. We just said, we saw a UFO. That's what my mom said. And they said, oh, we saw it also. You know, it's kind of coming out of a cloud. I still remember this. And uh, well, anyway, as soon as the ranger talk started, my mom, they, the ranger said, did anybody see anything interesting today? So oh my, my mom, being the intrepid soul that she was, raised her hand and said, we saw a UFO. Right. I love that. The early 70s. Yeah, we you don't usually UFO. talk about things like that. So kudos to your mom. Yeah, no and, kidding. And the ranger said, quite matter-of-factly, that's interesting. Did anybody else see anything else today they want to talk about? Oh. And we went up afterwards. And so it kind of raised some red flags in my mind. I mean, she didn't want to talk about it. We had seen it. The people next to us had seen it. Then we go up at the end of the talk and uh, uh, my mom says, I mean, look, there's a blackout. And the ranger says, oh, those happen all the time around here. And my mom insisted on telling her what we had seen and the ranger wasn't the least bit interested, which as we now know is not all that surprising. It's the rare animal within the park service, national forest service hmm. that wants to talk about anything beyond the party line you know, mm. birds and flowers and things right. like this. They just won't go there. And the ones that do are uh, fired or as we now know, <gasps> Bigfoot sightings are. That's terrible. Uh, mm. Are not rehired. You know, there's a penalty right. for bringing this up without permission within National Park Service, National oh, Forest, even though we really? know that they keep records on these subjects mm -hmm. as the U.S. government, as we now know, Yes. monitors uap ufos whatever you want to call it all domain right. cross domain aerial anomalies or whatever the buzzword of the the month is for mm -hmm. the bureaucrats in washington dc the right. rest of us have all been encountering these phenomena for a long time anyway to go back to your question i didn't have any contact with the subject uh throughout high school again in college no, mm -hmm. I didn't have a single conversation with anyone about UFOs, not Timothy Good. It just sat there on my shelf. I read it. I was right. in the back of my mind interested. I had seen something as a young kid now, and I, I was just, you know, I had a curiosity. It wasn't until I came across remote viewing in mm -hmm. 1996, I heard someone speaking on my local community radio station in Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, Courtney Brown, and he was taught, he was at Emory University, and he, he had learned it from someone who had trained with Ingo Swan, who had created, you know, created oh, this really? program. Yeah. Wow. At wow. Dames. And so I heard Courtney talking about this ability that people had to perceive distant information, distant, uh, you know, uh, things and people and places. And uh, I was really sort of openly skeptical, but open-minded that maybe there was something that I told a couple of friends in Boulder and they said, they probably hook you up to a machine right. um, or I don't believe in that. And I really couldn't believe it. I, I bought Courtney's book, Cosmic Voyage. I, I read it and it described viewing extraterrestrial bases and structures. Oh, that moon. kind of remote viewing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and keep, you know, and as we know now, that's not all verifiable. You really don't know after the session what you got because we can't actually go there or whoever has the photos isn't showing us. But right. I did go and take the class and it did show me that I was able to write things down, you know, a session that looks something like this. I just happen to have one on my desk here in the middle of this class that we're doing right now, our intermediate class. You know, you had this procedure and you went through these stages and I was very surprised to see 
as a former statistics teacher mm -hmm. at uh, WSU in Washington State. Uh, I was very surprised to see that the it was more accurate than I thought it would have been. I got more colors and shapes and sizes. Some of the drawings I had actually nailed nailed it, which was mm -hmm. quite surprising. Now, you know why it's surprising? Because you don't know how you did it. You're just following this procedure, going through these stages, mm -hmm. right? And, um, and then you you conclude it. And now we do a post session summary nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, it's surprising that you're getting more information than you thought you should have been, if you consider yourself just an ordinary person without any special psychic abilities. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, especially when you have, you know a group of strangers in a room that are coming to the same conclusions without knowing each other and working on their own paper. It's fascinating. Right. It's fascinating. Else. You see other people get the same results and, and you're, you're getting more results than you should if you were just guessing, if it was just random, I could see that. And I think anyone who's ever looked statistically at remote viewing, you, you see they're, the, the viewer is getting more information than they should be if they're just guessing. Mm -hmm, and absolutely. sometimes it's extremely accurate to the point where you can locate downed planes or missing people um, as Beverly Yeager is a, for, a now passed on psychic from the St. Mm -hmm. Louis area. I mean, there are people that have done this who've gotten very good at it. And I have, you know, I've had a taste of it. And it's something that I still teach to this day, 25 years later, because mm -hmm. it seems to have profound effects on people's sense of who they are it's not for me like some sort of magic trick that's going to instantly do something for you it's going to open your mind that you have abilities you didn't know you have right we all dream at night most of us sometimes you have precognitive dreams sometimes there's elements in those dreams that have something to do with your life and rv is like a structured form of daydreaming mm-hmm but it's surprising that it works and it suggests that our universe is connected in ways that we don't totally understand scientifically or haven't in the past. No. Uh, and that, and that there's more phenomena there out there than we were told also, because keep in mind the RV program was classified until 1995. It was a special access program. The people that were in it didn't even tell their spouses. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because I mean, you look at even Michelle. I mean, you know, working with the CIA and and her RVing because she, she's a friend, so we've talked about that before, and uh, it was it, it was pretty fascinating. And she goes, "Oh yeah, I teach classes." I'm like, "You allowed to do that?" <laughs> she goes, "Yes," you know. Um, so uh, it's 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 really interesting. And then of course you have those who are natural at it. So, you know, they, they yeah. don't, it's not a regimented training. It's just more natural. They can just do True. it. That's, it's funny when you said a form of daydream, because I daydream a lot. <laughs> yeah, she remote views. Yeah, too, I daydream right? a lot. I never even thought about that. Yeah, well, it's we, natural. We all, we all have this ability. And, and yeah. the reason we have it is it has survival value. The universe is saying to you, if you have a little information ahead of time of what's coming down the road, literally or metaphorically, it mm -hmm. has survival value for you. And this right. is why in a moment of need, in a crisis, in a situation where there's something going on with your family, you're going to get information about it intuitively mm -hmm. and be very surprised when you pick up the phone and you already had a sense that something was going on. Right. This often happens. I mean, pe pe the listeners will identify with this. They'll know someone who had this happen where the, they just, you just had a feeling to call a relative or something to find out that someone's passed away. 
Right. And it was a strong feeling. It wasn't just this random feeling. I should talk to so-and-so. It's pretty strong. Or mm. it could be to change your traffic routes. Uh, mm. you know, yes. yes. Uh, that there's some danger ahead that you didn't know about, but you just, a little voice in your head said to stop. Right. So that doesn't prove it's all psychic, but it proves that we have senses. And this was Ingo Swan's main point. We have senses that we haven't been taught about. And right. and they extend all the way, in my view, all to the very subtle levels of reality to the point where they're non-local information, where you are not physically getting it from your eyes or your, your nose or your ears. I mean, it's coming through some other sensory apparatus mm-hmm. in our bodies, right. some connection to the larger idea of space-time that we live in. And, mm-hmm. and this is not what we're taught. So all of these phenomena, guys, mm-hmm. are very challenging to us because nobody taught about us about this in school at all no i went through all of it all the way to phd believe me they don't talk about this and if they do it's in a very skeptical kind of a negative sort of sense it's weird Mm. but the rest of the world is experiencing these phenomena whether it's cryptids or ufos or spontaneous precognition everyone has orbs orbs in your home people have this happen uh Mm -hmm. orbs in your yard spirit (laughs) ghosts. I mean, to me, it's a really multidimensional reality. Right. And really mystery is why are we covering this up instead of talking about it? Well, I mean, I think we're, like you say, we're, we're born with these abilities. We're like a species with amnesia. We're just, I, I think it's just, you know, I'm going to go there, but maybe it's just stuff that they're putting in the food. Maybe it's just stuff they're putting in the environment. It's just to dumb us up, you know, because can you imagine if you had everybody on the planet being fully capable of using these abilities. Well, there goes your national security. <laughs> you know, like they don't want you doing that. And, you know, so instead it's frowned upon. I remember growing up being gifted and being, you know, like having all sorts of abilities and being told, well, that's the family secret, dear. We don't really talk about them. What? <laughs> Why not? You know, it was a cool thing. But then you go to school, you tell your friends and they're like, it's like okay, now I get it. Yeah, know? yeah, you get made fun so, of. Yeah, it's true. That's it's true. belittling sometimes too. It's yeah. belittling. It's yeah. it's hostile. Nobody wants to deal with that in their neighborhood, in their place of work, in school, right? Right. Exactly. But most people don't. I mean, especially when you're younger and you don't have the resources that we have now as adults. Right. When you actually care what the other kids think about you. Right. Nowadays, you couldn't care less, really. But in those days, it mattered. Everything mattered at what the other, the in kids thought of you and, you know, the other kids that you wanted to get to know better, you know, so forth. So you were really petrified of being ridiculed. It wasn't fun to have the kids around laughing at you. We all remember moments like that. I know a Bigfoot witness who took my RV classes and he didn't tell me about this experience till recently, till you know, till I was working on the recent book, Dark, you know, Dark Matter Monster. Crazy. Yeah, there it is. Yes. We have a link to your website right here for everybody to see. Yeah. He, he's mentioned in the book here, someone who saw one with his Air Force dad in right. the mountains of Colorado, coming over to Woodland Park, down to Colorado Springs. And the dad never wanted to talk about it again, said it was a bear, you know bear that just walks on two legs across the road with five foot strides and doesn't even stop for a fence, a tall fence, just keeps going. Right. Huge. So uh, this, this fellow I know, he said he, his mom, when he got back, she asked him what was wrong. And she, she, she was from Minnesota or somewhere where they have these. And 
She wasn't, you know, she <laughs> believed it was possible, but he told one friend in ninth grade who he thought would understand. And right. he said within 24 hours, Everybody everyone knew. was calling him Mr. Bigfoot, crazy uh, Mr. Bigfoot, and worse. Wow. It's hard. And he said it went on for months. Right. In that's ninth hard. grade, that's pretty serious because it that's is. your whole world is these other kids that you know. I mean, it's a big part. Well, of you're trying to be the cool kid, too. You're you forging your way. It's grade nine, you know. Grade oh, nine. Yeah. And you care. And, if, and, and he said yeah. he regretted ever telling anyone. Well, he's not the only one. Anyone who's ever encountered these phenomena, whether it's cryptids or UFOs, right. Right. Uh, this goes to milita military civilian pilots. I've talked to both of those groups. Right. Same thing applies. Law enforcement too. Law enforcement, yeah. National Park Service workers. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. really everyone is. What was that? Paramedics. Paramedics. Anybody in that first response. First yeah. Who see mm -hmm. these anomalies, as we call them, they uh, right. they generally don't tend to talk about it because anyone who's in academics, anyone who's invested any time in a particular career. Mm -hmm. And again, I said, I'm openly weird. I created my own career. That's why I run my own publishing company. I do my own thing. Right. But for yeah. most people, you can't say do say what I'm saying because you've invested all this effort and time into your degree or you're moving up the ranks in your company, right? right. And if you exactly. do something like this until, re I mean, the Navy has come out and said, okay, we want you to talk about it. You won't be penalized. And there's actually penalties for anyone that any organ, you know, government, organization that penalizes you for coming out and saying you saw a ufo in the cockpit right. that's what right. they've said and it's in the ndaa yeah good National. old disclosure it's, it's in the law now that yes. you have, you know whistleblower protection people have been going thomas right. fessler has been going through that you know who runs his own podcast he's been going through that document very carefully at night and it says there are penalties for retaliating against uh, people who say they've seen this right. but that's what the law says but it's are people really going to come out or are they still going to be afraid like pilots i know who've seen these objects in the sky mm -hmm. and other yeah. pilots at the same time they said oh yeah someone fired another plane 10 miles away saw it too mm -hmm. strange stuff though I, I, it's hard to say what it is it, whatever it is mm -hmm. it wasn't a weather balloon right and it wasn't venus okay right so, right right or flocks of birds but you people are really under a situation of blackmail in the places that they work. And what we have is this culture of secrecy and repression in the US that's gone on for decades. Mm -hmm. and, and it's gotten to the point where now Congress says we're going to order the Pentagon to release its UFO you know, report to us every year. And they're having these classified hearings, which we've heard about, but we haven't yes. heard them. We've only heard tiny little bits. Right. 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 So it's a bizarre situation where all of this has been overclassified. And I'm, I'm not making that up. Hal Putoff, who ran the RV program mm -hmm. at that's SRI true. and consummate UFO insider. That's what he told us at 2018 at the SSE meeting in Vegas, that he had been involved with these programs since the early 70s yes. and that they didn't stop when Project Blue Book ended. Mm -hmm. He told us he thought this, the secrecy had gone too far because... Michelle, you mentioned national security. Like if we all knew we had these amazing abilities to interact with a larger reality. Yeah, I believe so. The other side is it's a national security risk to not have people talking about this mm -hmm. because we're 
we're not developing the way we should. We're, we're dumbing down. You said it. We're yeah, dumbing down. Yeah, and, down. And that's purposely. Purposely dumbing down. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got to remove the fear around this. We need to have people who've been witnessed these phenomena get together and talk about it. Okay. I started my own Bigfoot Zoom group. Yeah. Just for That's people to good. get together who contacted me and said, hey, why don't you come to the group and tell us your story? Because there's a lot of people out there. And mm-hmm. uh, so the, the risk is that other countries might develop whatever this is into a technology before we do. And we would end up with what Hal called a Sputnik moment. I'm just right. using his words. So this is someone who's been on the inside of these classified programs who feels right. uh, that the secrecy has gone too far. I think so. I mean, if you, it's all in the history, our ancient history. You just go back and you see petroglyphs and you see, um, you know, you see it in carvings, you see it in stone, you see it in monuments, you see it in power spots. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, there's image of it, even biblically speaking, you know, I always go back to the book of Enoch, you know, him being like the very first abductee in Ezekiel. I mean, for, for the, you know, for people who follow religion. Um, So it's out there all of a sudden, you know, we have Roswell and everything just stops. No, this isn't a thing. Don't talk about it. It's a weather balloon. And nobody ever talks about it again. So, you know, and, and then you have, you have, you know, academia, you know, even archaeologists saying, no, there weren't any UFOs in this. No, this isn't that. This isn't this. Then all of a sudden now people are coming on board and they're saying, see, this is camera phones, people taking pictures. It's being passed around. It's not so easy anymore to say, no, you didn't see a UFO. It's just trying to figure out, is it one of theirs or is it? one of ours, <laughs> you know, te- yeah. technically right. speaking, reverse engineering. And so I don't know. Do you think we're heading into a world of false flags? I mean, we've had a lot of people come on talking about extraterrestrials and saying, no, you don't have to fear them. This is crazy. But, you know, they've instilled that fear. Media has instilled that fear. So do we fear them? Is this why we're afraid to maybe progress? I think it's there. I think there's a fear there. I think even people that are interested in this topic, I mean, how would you react if a ship really landed in your backyard and these I'd be all over it. That's me. You would. (laughs) You would. Two of you would. Not two of us. Oh, just one of you. Just one of us. This one would faint. No. (laughs) You know, I, in, in, in my earlier book, Black Swan Ghosts, which was about all these UFO witnesses I encountered ever since I got involved with RV, RV, they would come to the classes. They, they would share their stories with me at conferences. I just went mm-hmm. to so many UFO conferences and I, I just met so many great people and witnesses and so forth. And I took the best stories I had and put them into black. Right. Swan so I have a witness in there uh, who was a jockey for the queen, Peter leather. And he was walking on the downs in Surrey at 1am. They were carrying a huge bust of a native American kind of embossed in, metal and uh, they see this thing flash every couple seconds blue disc like and it's coming closer and it (laughs) lands on a hill 100 yards away from them this lands the door opens and someone walks out it was a prince philip (laughs) i know he loved that stuff he loved it he was very disappointed in the uh first men on the moon when he met them in person that they weren't giving him any information but it's it's crazy. Yeah. I just want to make a quick note to everybody yeah. who's putting comments and chat and questions. We will get to those, especially as we near that 
part of uh, the topic. So don't worry, we're going to get to it. We will get to it. So yes. this, to finish the story, yes. this is such a classic British story. Right. So Peter wanted to meet this being six foot tall, skin tight suit with some red light in its hand, not necessarily a flashlight, just something giving off red light. Right. It's walking towards him. You know, can you see this thing lands, it gets out and is walking towards you. And he said his friend completely panicked, peed in his pants. And he panicked so much that Peter started to panic. So this is the thing is that we all would like to meet these visitors and interact, but how would the people we're with, in, you know, how would they react? And would that panic spread? Hey, to the it's river? a hard pill to swallow. I mean, it took me, you know, I started having memories of childhood stuff, but when it started happening as an adult and I realized wait a minute, I don't think I was really having a paranormal experience. I think it might have been this all along. But it took me a, a while to get comfortable with it. So to try to spring that on somebody last minute and say, oh, hey, you know, let's walk up to, 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 to meet this visitor. You're going to have somebody just like flatline right beside you on the ground, you know? Right. And we don't know, uh, as Dolan and Zabel wrote in their book right. about disclosure, the day after disclosure, Right. Which is just a great book about, you know, hypothetically, what would it be like if there were such an announcement? Well, we mm -hmm. don't know if it would happen that way. But what I think their point was very good is would people lock themselves in their houses and we would like the economy would stop? Like the war, like, the world sort of. Yeah. I mean, for cover. Right. I mean, just look what happened with COVID. If you have people not, you know, driving their trucks, the supply shortages, factories shutting mm -hmm. down for one part, all of a sudden you don't have enough chips mm -hmm. for, a, they're making cars. They're saying, well, it doesn't have this option anymore, but we can't get the chips for that particular. And that's a virus. So if, if yeah. you can't have, a, even if a small percentage of the population panics or a larger percentage, if you imagine the knock-on effects throughout the economy, mm -hmm. it, it could be larger than any of us would expect. And I would imagine yes. the visitors don't want to do that to us. No, I, I mean, and, and you sort of have to be ready for this. This is not like meeting just another version of yourself, Michelle or Amelia, in right. a different uh, spacesuit. You know, and a right. helmet or, we're talking about a different vibrational frequency. And this is what people experience, in my view, around Bigfoot and cryptids, right. which is why they end up getting a type of brain fog. They have memory loss. I mean, it's not just something out of the ordinary, but made of the same cloth. We're talking about something at another frequency. I mean, I think literally. And, and right. we don't know how to interact with that. We haven't been trained. This, yeah, again, this I is why I teach RV and so forth. I mean, people... You just get used to dealing with the unknown in your session because you mm -hmm. start out every session's blank page, right. no matter I, what the target is. And you realize, oh, it'll work out. It'll sort itself yeah. out by the end of the session. It's a fear reduction sort of training. Mm -hmm. And But the day is coming when this happens. I don't think we can ignore this. And there's no way Congress is looking at all this data and all of this information. And they're, they're, they're persistent in this. So they must know stuff that we haven't seen. We're oh, told we they've seen a 45-minute video yes. that someone who, in the know, if this is true, said it was like watching a sci-fi movie of the best UFO footage that the government has from the best sensors and photography equipment. Right. Satellite. They got all the best stuff, man. 
you know, like we want in. Yep. So <laughs> they need to start sharing it with us or you yes. will create this mass panic. I mean, at I agree with point, you. Someone's going to start talking and the information yes. will start leaking. We, we've, we're told there's a triangular UFO footage over the ocean, 23 minutes. And so we're I believe told that, that that's, that's um, military. 20, 23 minutes long? Of a triangle. Well, something coming out of the ocean. And, yeah. you know, this, I think the longer we hold back from an adult public discussion about this, obviously you've heard other people say this recently, but I completely agree. I did attend the citizen hearing in 2013 in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. It was open to the public. It was at the National Press Club, five days of witnesses, right. a mock hearing with retired senators, senator and Congress people, because they couldn't get any sitting Congress people or senators to show up because wow, even they really? told Harry Reid, who got the whole OSAP program going, oh, this could be bad for your career, Harry. Sure. And Harry said, yeah. I don't care. This, he, I, he knew this had been real. Other people he knew, Bob Bigelow had his yes. family. Right. So it takes people with like gut, with guts like Harry Reid to say, I don't care what the consequences are. The right thing to do if too few people around are willing to take that stand. So the citizen hearing had all these witnesses, and I heard five days of this just plus at nighttime, they had special guest lectures from you know experts and so forth. It was fascinating, but that could have been a national discussion, but C-SPAN refused to turn on their cameras at the National Press Club in DC. We're blocks from the White House, okay. That's We're sitting insane. up there in the bleachers, and it's just one great testimony after another. FAA, John Callahan, and pilots, and people from around the world. And did C-SPAN even turn that on for five minutes? You know, it was an award-winning cast with real former senators and congresspeople, one of whom had run for president, you know? And so this is a real event. It could have been, but no. We, we, I sat next to a New York Times reporter for a bit, and he wow. said, this is the best material I've ever heard. It's crazy. I can't get them to send anyone from New York to cover the story. You know, cameraman. Right. Sound person. So forth. So this is the story of it until 2017 when that New York Times article came out, even though it had inaccuracies and so forth. It was something. It's, and it's progress. Yeah. It's yes, it's definitely progress, but look how slow it is, guys. I mean, I that's know, almost a decade later. <laughs> yes, like five, five years after years the later. citizen yeah. hearing, and yeah, four, and then okay, the other uh, Washington Post they all made fun of the citizen hearing. The reporters from the Washington Post, it was so glib, you know, superficial. Why do military men, old military men, believe in little green? aliens it wasn't serious i mean mm. i can't believe you have, you have missile control launch officers these are the people that could launch world yes. war three and yes. they're telling you they've they're silent their their control centers which control 10 missiles each nowadays mm -hmm. had been shut down by ufos they knew they were ufos because oh, they went in that crap. morning or they were there underground in there they, well they shut down all kinds of nuclear weapons on on Thank God. regular basis <laughs> but you know the united states has been one of the last ones to actually disclose and and talk about it i mean you have other countries france's they've had a program for a long time where they have put it out there for people to 
tell their stories. Brazil, you know, they have their secrets and Peru, but they still do the same. They're a little bit more forthcoming. And Russia, believe it or not, have been forthcoming with all kinds of stories. Figure, right? They were doing CE5 before CE5 became a yeah, buzzword. I believe Russia, though, because they always want to stay ahead of the game. What about China? <clears throat> no, we had someone from China at the citizen hearing. I forget his name. Uh, excuse me. Yes, Anyone from China? I forgot his name. He was an official in China. You can get a UFO investigator's license. Yeah, you I thought so because license to and but he was open. He said we don't think these are from Earth, and he brought little figurines that were right. thousands of years old. He goes, we yes. think these are extraterrestrials. Look at the way they look. I think it's amazing. It, it, you know, China was more open. It's so it's 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 it's, it's like backwards. We're, we're supposed it's we're true. supposed to be the ones here with our First Amendment who challenge reality, but it's just yeah. the economic. So anyway, you know, I mean. Here's what I think could happen. If we don't start having a national discussion on this, we are going to have a Sputnik moment. Right. And some of these videos that Congress is looking at, someone's going to bring their cell phone or something. It's going to leak. And do you want me, do we want this to be a shocking encounter with the truth or do we want it to be sort of mature adult? Mm. Well, if they're I, just going to a story, go ahead, Amelia. No, no, it's okay. I imagine uh, that, if you work in one of these buildings that do have these documents or do have these files on computer that you wouldn't be permitted to carry a cell phone into those rooms. No, you're mm -hmm. right. So you're right. it's not going to come out unless they're tortured and leaked out or mm -hmm. if they're, you know, their non-disclosure agreements have run its course or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. security levels and so forth, because many CIA former operatives are coming out and saying, when people yep. ask them, they're on social media everywhere saying or they're the first question people ask cia operatives former former is are aliens real and they all answer yes john ramirez right yeah yes you, he made the yes. podcast circuit last year earlier yes this year yes he was unrelenting he was on all the shows and he mm -hmm. said there was a classified program within the cia for ufos because mm -hmm. they asked him to send people from his program in missile signals analysis and intelligence and orbs they had a classified program in, in orbs, which they actually thought were another form of UFOs. That no. UFOs had a, a non-physical form that we perceive as orbs, just the light without uh, the structure. Like a hologram. Yep. This is John Ramirez, and he said on these podcasts that he asked his bosses, even though he's retired, if I say anything that I shouldn't be saying, let me know. He said they mm -hmm. haven't contacted him. Wow. So they... They're using folks like John Ramirez to slowly let this out to the rest of us. But it's still it out, but to do what? And still more fear, false flag, feed us the yeah, money that's into the, thing we have to worry the military. About. We and need this, we, you know. And, and the look enemy at the, is greater. You know? Yeah. Sorry, Michelle. <clears throat> and, and and look at the the controversy around orbs. Why is that controversy put out there? Maybe they don't want us to know. But you there know? is controversy because a lot of people. You know, there are a lot of true orbs out there, but then you have people who are, you know, mm. like people send me pictures and they're camping and they're full of orbs. I'm like, uh, it would be pollen. 
<laughs> you well, know, moisture. And I give uh, you another angle on it. Yes, please. <laughs> the conclusion I came to in Dark Matter, <laughs> the subtitle has Cryptids, Ball Lightning, and the Science of Secret Life Forms. Right. I came just across- in the room. <laughs> <laughs> We're only allowed so many characters yeah. on the on the, the tag there, <laughs> but uh, you keep putting that up, yeah. please. Yes, in yeah. this wonderful book, if I do say so myself, and it's a, it's a strange book. I don't even know how I came up with it. It just all seemed to make sense all of a sudden. Right. I discovered documents from the U.S. Air Force going back to the fifties wow. about ball lightning research into ball lightning, and oh, it was okay. classified. Yeah. Right. Even the work from Eric Davis, the Eric Davis we know from the Davis-Wilson memo, right, who right. Contra- was contracted by the Air Force to do a ball lightning study, a very good you know, review of the literature of ball lightning. It's, it's very strange. Ball lightning can seem like it's alive. Skinwalker Ranch, it can chase things. Ball oh, lightning is really cool, I'm just saying. It's cool. Yeah, and- it is. Yes. No, no, it's real. And about 5% of the population, I have seen it. I have saw it a couple of times in the UK around crop circles. It's yeah. really strange. It can disappear quickly or it can persist. But these Air Force studies, you start looking through them. The Eric Davis study from, I believe, 2003, mm-hmm. half of the pages are whited out. Stan Friedman used to make a joke about how they white things out instead of ball lightning. So you know why, if you, you know, think a little bit, why would the Air Force classify ball lightning? Yeah. What do they do? Planes, things in the air, gravity, anti-gravity. What does ball lightning do? It's hovering, anti-gravity. Creates its own gravitational field. Right. right. So I suspect, folks, and you see this in the book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon by James Lekatsky et al. Right. At the Pentagon. That's that's cool. Yeah. At the Pentagon, Defense Intelligence Agency studying Skinwalker Ranch orbs and cryptids, and they see them when they go home, which they label the hitchhiker effect. That this is has implications all around the board for science and technology and i believe that a lot of this information ever since tesla has been classified because the the whoever possesses this type of technology you know it's quite a different technology than we're used to it creates its own gravitational fields its own realities Mm -hmm. and cryptids are part of this ufos create these same effects when they're around, you know, cameras mm-hmm. and batteries failing. Crop circles did crop circles did it to our cameras and batteries. I have seen it myself. Okay. Cameras. So let's touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Before we we, we go to the, yeah. the the whole crypto thing. Let's talk about crop circles. Right. So I learned about this topic from remote viewing. It was a target that we viewed at Farsight in 1996. And I did not know what a crop circle was in 1996. I'm straight out of grad school. Farsight, like Colorado? What's that? Where's Farsight? I'm sorry. It was in, uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The and only I, thing I know in Farsight in Colorado is the Farsight Lounge, and it's actually haunted. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is the Farsight <laughs> Institute, and we had a target. I didn't know what crop circles were, but you always want to get feedback on your target. And I was very curious, and I went with a man named Ron Russell who was giving crop circle tours in 1997 over to the UK because he said we would walk around in them even though we didn't know how they were being made. Hmm. What they meant, it was sort of, I said, well, get some feedback. And uh, the first thing I saw when I went over there, again, I was sort of open to it like I was RV. Maybe it's a hoax, maybe it's real. I don't know, I'll go and see for myself. But we, I saw camera and battery failure almost immediately hmm. in these big wow. precise spiral shapes where the 
grain, the direction of the wheat is spiraled over sizes of football fields, our football fields, vast areas mm -hmm. of precision. And then right. the cameras stop working, the batteries, even a case of a camcorder melting on the inside, being in a crop circle, had to be resoldered. It was still wow. under warranty. Yeah. Wow. So I saw destroying technology and balls of light. I saw that was real. Now, I later discovered that a lot of these were made by people, but it didn't matter. Those still affected our cameras and batteries and created wow. strange effects. And these human circle makers who, you know, I wrote about this in Opening Minds because I got to know some of the circle makers. I didn't think they could do big ones like this, but they actually took us out, took me out. They took us out during the daytime. One that the farmer had been paid. And then I, they said, you want to see us do one at night? It won't be legal, but you'll <clears throat> make your own mind up. Just stand there. You won't even have to do anything. Just watch. And they were quite good at it. So I, I learned that, you know, the precision of it, the symmetry, the fractal structure, you know, the self-similarity, mm -hmm. like tree branches, the way the circles were just the right mathematical proportion seemed to me to be creating energy, even if it wasn't all made by UFOs. Some of them are. Right. But not even if people were imitating that, they weren't fake. They were just human-made ones. But they would tell me that they would see balls of light out there at night while they were making them. Small UFOs coming over the formation, seemingly checking them out. Even what they called shadow people occasionally. Okay. There's and, another curiosity. What's your thought yes. on those? Yeah, so, so they were describing shadows. these strange effects around them while they were out there, even to the point where it would scare them out of the field. So oh, really? Yeah, really. So it it just showed me that there was more going on. And yeah. now we know that some of those shapes, those fractal shapes, are at the core mm. of what we call cold fusion, low energy nuclear reaction right. Right. system right. that create energy by tapping directly into the quantum vacuum. And these are called fractal toroids. These are donuts within donuts kind of donut shapes but are more rings around them and more rings around those and it creates this closed electromagnetic system which the soviets were studying with classified research mm -hmm. and it's basically a way to the soviets found if you created this focused donut as it's called mm. you could turn it off take the machinery away and there'd still be a glowing orb on the table and the people who originally saw this thought, like many of us, oh, this has to be a hoax. No, it wasn't. It really had a science behind it that shows us that nature, if you focus energy, even right. the ambient energy around the so-called quantum zero-point field, right? if you focus that, it creates glowing objects. Hello, ball lightning and orbs. That's, so that's, that's where so amazing, actually. Yeah. It, it, that's where crop circles sort of led me to right. uh, thinking that you could organize energy. And I'll tell you, I don't want to get too complex. It's dark energy. This is dark, it's dark matter. The many scientists researching this, mm -hmm. even companies bought by the Department of Energy and gone underground. Um, not hello, surprised. Proton 21 from Ukraine. And about five or six years ago, they purchased this company. In their literature, they said that this sort of shape and process was had something to do with focused dark matter. Dark matter from out there, but it shows up here. That's crazy. It is crazy, but I That's have to crazy. say, folks, I guessed at this in 2013. I wrote this little abstract and I put it on uh, ResearchGate and these academic sites. 
Because mm. what is it about these crop circles? Wheat, it's inert. It shouldn't be conducting electricity. No. I mean, I used to build kits as a kid. I mean, wheat is not what you use in your circuit boards. It's an insulator. Yeah. I thought the only thing this could be that's what energy is getting focused to knock out our cameras and battery. It had to be dark energy or dark matter from out there because it's not just out there. It does lens. It tracks. Yeah, it I was just going to say, but how? <laughs> that's that's the bigger question. It's around all this dark. We're, okay, so doing research in this, I came across someone named Dr. Alexander Parkamov, a Russian researcher who wrote mm -hmm. this fantastic book called Space Earth Human, which I have around here somewhere. He said there's much more dark matter around than we realize. And he created a dark matter detector, which he said would really? be affected by the position of the sun and the moon, the whole solar system, basically gravitational objects, lens and flux, dark matter. Dark matter being matter that we can't see that we know is outnumbers our visible matter by 10 to one. I mean, it's been speculated about for a hundred years by astrophysicists, cosmologists. Mm -hmm. And it seems that we're interacting with the cosmos through dark matter. It, it's not directly electromagnetic, but it creates a pressure and it can accelerate biological and chemical reactions. And that's what researchers have found. Whether it's Takayaki Matsumoto mm -hmm. in Japan, Parkamov in Russia, other researchers here mm -hmm. yeah, have found that there is a dark matter component to some of these very intense energetic reactions mm -hmm. so we're interacting with the universe and the cosmos also in a very interesting way and it sort of varies based on our position of our solar system in a galaxy to other galaxies which is really hard to yeah even think about but that's what they found so there is energy around it's not just a quantum process there's energy around from the background cosmic uh radiation from the big bang it's called relic neutrinos. These are from the Big Bang 13 billion years ago. And guess how many are you're in contact with per second of these relic neutrinos? They're relatively big and slow, not like the solar ones, which right. are really fast and go right through us. About 10 million a second. That's crazy. Right your body. <laughs> That's all I can say in this interview, I swear. <laughs> it's like, what? That's yes. amazing. We're interacting really? with cosmic energy every single second. And the reason I when in this direction is I'm speculating that cryptids probably can harness this like crop circles in some way, which gives them their extra special powers, you know, their speed and their invisibility and their ability to morph and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. in your mind. So, look what? like an animated character from tree to tree. Yeah. Okay, I'm, try, I'm back consciously okay. holding my chin up. <laughs> Well, we're going to come back to that. I just want to. It's just my ideas about it. Maybe oh, no, I, I love it. Don't be wrong. I'm happy. I, to, I, to, I'm to really digging it. it. It's actually really, really interesting. I just want to get a couple of these comments out because it'll, it'll segue us into it. Um, okay. Yes. Here we go. Okay. Simon, what is your definition of monster? Hi, Adrian Thobin. Okay. Well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, what I'm describing in dark matter monsters is any sort of life form that we don't understand very well that, you know, can scare people, that it's very loud, that's very fast, that can be potentially hostile. Very big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, monsters are partly just the way we imagine things that we don't understand very well. Right. Like sea, sea, giant sea squids used to be thought of as monsters. Right, and they're so 
Yeah, logical. They were huge and they would attach themselves to ships. And we now know that they're giant sea squid. But it's sort of in our mind that we, right. it's things that we don't understand very well. And I think cryptids can fit into that. Uh, right. Are they literally monsters? I'm not necessarily, but I mean, they can certainly seem like that to some people when they're hostile. Let me are they, are they maybe like extraterrestrial, do you think? Or are they, you know, again, interdimensional, dimensional? There, all the possibilities are on the table, but in my mind, they are life forms that evolve beyond even where we're at in terms of their right. psychic and PK abilities. Uh, we just assume we're the most evolved creature on the planet. And we are taught this from a very young age that we're the most evolved, smartest thing around. But let's say it's not true. No, I the agree with you there too. <laughs> yeah. It might not be true. Mm -hmm. And if the other creatures know how to become invisible, how to morph, how to do things mm -hmm. that we're physically not capable of, or don't know we're doing. I mean, I've seen PK demonstrations right. and levitation and all those, but right. if they did do this, they probably wouldn't be around all the time, would they? They'd be mm -hmm. off in their own version of Earth doing right. what they want to do because, you know, humans are a pain. I mean, Those do you want to be around humans all yeah. the time or maybe right. just some of the time? No, we're vicious. We're vicious. we're vicious and we're mindless in many ways. You know, we, we don't, we're not good neighbors. That's where I'm going to leave. Not it. good neighbors. So we're not good neighbors. So you can't blame them for going off into their own parallel reality yeah. and just popping in here when it's convenient, you know, when they need to eat or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. But, I, but they can be very human too. We know Bigfoot stories where they rescue people. Let's be honest. They, they, they can be very uh, cooperative. They can and, be and the other way as well. They can be what? I mean, people have encountered, um, you know, really aggressive ones. But we can get back to that. If yeah, we let's get get back to that. It's, it's, it's complex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nori, Aval says, do you think Bigfoot could be intelligent beings that could have been crossbred or DNA manipulation mm -hmm. for slavery from possible aliens that use this planet as a breeding ground for a slavery force and abandoned forgotten Bigfoot force to hide? Oh boy. Well, that's, that's someone that's who knows this stuff because yeah. that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a mouthful. Well, so we'll leave it up for you. <laughs> so. Yeah, we don't really know our history of our planet. There's a much deeper history right. that, than we know. I don't think we have a very good sense of what it is. But in my view, going back to your question, Michelle, yes. since I didn't completely answer it, so this, this question is helpful. Uh, uh, I think they are endemic to the planet, innate. I think this is how nature evolves into coherent matter life forms. Right. I think we're the ones that have been genetically manipulated by the ETs. You, this dumbing down that we have is not just from a secret government. Somebody dumbed us down because it's clear if these Bigfoot and Dogman and other cryptids are around and there are many different types, even yes. if some of them are pretty rare, they're out, they're out there. Right. And if they can do all this stuff like move in and out of portals and just disappear in front of your eyes as many people report even non-believers said they they right. saw it and it just what we don't do that consciously right so right. i think that they this is they are actually nature's development it's the logical development of nature just like electric eels and mm -hmm. the cuttlefish that can instantly blend in with you know, these these chromophores that allow them to instantly blend into their background Nature just keeps evolving. I think we're the ones that seem artificially stopped in our evolution. We became very dependent on material technology. And even though mm -hmm. we've had people like Nikola Tesla mm -hmm. and others 
No. Uh, and Einstein say, look, we have this ability to connect to nature and it could supply us with the energy we need. We haven't really moved in that direction. It's pretty slow in my view. Don't you think it's pretty glacial? It is, but that's what I'm saying. We, we've been definitely dumbed down, but do you think um, it has to do with, like you say, maybe extraterrestrial interference or yeah, do you just no, think, think it's so. our own government that's like, you know what, we, we can't, this will get out of control. Like we just can't let these, these people, you know, fluoride in the water, you know, yes, all, well, all kinds right. of things like, yeah. Really you know, yeah. So it's just yeah. like, it's purposely keeping us from um, our natural evolution, I believe. Right. Our evolution is to have more and more abilities over time, yeah. just like we see in so many other species. Mm -hmm. Even other animals can navigate via magnetic fields. Can you do that? Can I do that? No, we right. need we need a cell phone to tell us where to it's go. We true. can't even get to the store now even, without looking. Even in the then, I miss the I miss the exit. Let's just you still miss the exit. But other animals, <laughs> even fruit flies, have a magnetic structure in their brain that allows them to navigate all around the area they're in without any compass. Birds, so mm -hmm. I think that we're yeah. we are dumbed down, and it could have been a. It, I don't know the whole history. This is a big story. This could be one yes. reason why the elites haven't wanted us to know about this story. We yes. could have been deliberately dumbed down by extraterrestrials. Maybe, you know, Zachariah Sitchin's idea that we were gold workers. Mm. I mean, something like that. That's Do you think we could have been dumbed down by our own people? There's certainly that going on. Fluoride doesn't help. I've done a lot of research into fluoride. It's, it's a neurotoxin, and there's a right. federal court case going on about it. It's gone on for over a year now where Judge Chen is very concerned about this evidence for neurotoxicity. You know, there might be a ruling against fluoride within a year. Wow. Against oh, the EPA wow. saying yeah. it has to be regulated like a neurotoxin. It can be very harmful. And very harmful. Going back on the birds thing, I mean, there are crows that are smarter than some of the people on this crows, planet. Right. Okay, yeah, like they are, are the brilliant. best talking bird in the world. They're brilliant <laughs> it's birds. Like a minor bird. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you spend any time around animals out there, they're really smart. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we are good at linear calculating type yeah. of mechanistic intelligence. We're very good at that, that focus, but we're sometimes very dumb in terms of our relationship to this larger system you know ecosystem that we live in the larger cosmos mm -hmm. right? We, right we're not we're not paying attention a lot of the time ours you know this is what i like about rv it says focus on your situational awareness that's really what rv has to do with is being aware focusing on every little feeling and thought that comes in during the session and mm -hmm. we, right. we're not taught to be situationally aware you know and to me, all of us walking around staring at our phones on the street, like you can see in many cities in the oh, U.S., it makes you very vulnerable in some ways, and you're, you're yes. I mean, and and you're losing kind of contact with the environment. You don't see animals out in the woods looking at phones. No, they, they wouldn't be around very humanity. long. They're humanity. just staring with earbuds. Yeah. Can you imagine? You're you're not mm -hmm. going to last very long. So we're we're the ones that sort of deliberately do this. Is you know, it's well, it's. it's just look at the whole Facebook thing, meta, you know, the whole meta thing, virtual reality. I'm sorry. Why do I want to put on a bunch of goggles? So like I'm walking out in the, in the forest when I could just go walk out in the forest. Go to the forest. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I mean, unless you live, you know, in a big city and you have no forest, it would be exciting. But, but I think, you know, where I'm going with it. It's just like, we're taking away from ourselves. We're so enthralled with technology that, we, we stop, we don't stop to think that we can be creating and manifesting our own reality. 
in many ways. Right. Yeah, you I, know, true. Just true. get in tune with what's out there. Now, you have all the software you already need there. It just has to be tuned up and trained. People right. are so into finding the next Instagrammable post <clears throat> they're looking for a coffee shop so do you know how many beautiful instagram photos you can take in a park and every mm. large city has a park and as long as you stay away from the car the park your frequency is off you're grounding everything mm. it's not healthy think about it people mm. spent a lot of time i was born in 69 we spent a lot of time outdoors yep. as a child this is ridiculous no, I, there's scientific evidence, Amelia, to back up that yeah. spending time in nature has really large cognitive and health benefits. There was a whole article in New Scientist just about the benefits of having trees. You know, the less trees yeah. you have around, there's all these sort of negative things, even crime rates related to the number of trees that are around. Crime so, rates were a lot lower, and I know that because I work in crime, but... Um, I remember being a child about nine or 10 and I'm not saying that you should do that now with your child because it's a whole other world. But I remember going to the park by myself, the park on our street backed off, off of um, a ravine. And I would walk down the banks of the ravine by myself and oh, I would yeah. take my shoes off and just walk in that clay. Right. I loved it. As right. a child, I understood without Different understanding. for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, oh you boy. couldn't send a child now. It's so no, unsafe. No, no, no. I work with missing <laughs> children. I would not recommend it. Mm. But I do recommend you go with your child and let them feel the dirt. They're not getting their hands dirty anymore. No, no. They're and, not. And, 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 and we know that that's related to rising allergies because mm. being yeah. exposed to dirt on a regular basis boosts your immune system. Yeah, you know, right. it, it, we're built to be in challenging situations outside with temperature changes and dirt. Mm -hmm. and, oh, antibiotic soap is a big one too for me. Right, right. So that that's the thing. Yeah. And by the way, since you're ta we're talking about that, this is actually what I wrote my dissertation about: is the sort of unintended consequences of what seem to be like technological improvements. But right. there's a downside to it. Do uh, we know? I mean, being around all these screens that we're on can affect your eyes. Uh, not being outside enough can affect your mood. Yes. Uh, just doing things faster can make you feel burned out. And we right. all know what that feels like. So, right. no, no, it's totally true. And then the antibiotics thing is one of the most interesting because uh, too much use of that makes the microbes stronger until you have these antibiotic resistant microbes that they're as, as the situation is now. I read about this in science. Right. And I no, I meant, There's I no meant... more antibiotics against some of these bacteria because they've become so robust against all the ones they don't antibiotics are not being developed right now they're that, not that's not what i meant sorry because we're going to get yanked for <laughs> for that on youtube talking about medicine i wasn't referring to that sorry i was referring to the antibacterial sorry antibacterial soap right things like that when you're using them over and over again is that also a health thing i better shut up no, no, no. I, <laughs> get pulled it's and it's, whether it's antibacterial soap or, you know, antibiotics. It, it, mm -hmm. We're talking about the same type of effect. Even used on your skin, you're killing the good bacteria. We're going to get linked off of YouTube. The, we the stop. This yeah. is so fascinating. No, no, we're talking about the microbiome. No, I know, but yeah. The we microbiome is in every other issue of Science Magazine. We don't know very much about our microbiome. The microbes in our mouths and our skin thousands mm -hmm. in our intestinal tracts okay this mm -hmm. is how yeah. we know about the universe let alone cryptids and ufos leaving that we don't even know what's on our skin 
There's no names most of these microbes. And when you put Mm -hmm. an antibacterial soap on there and they get killed too, you're actually opening up the space for more aggressive bacteria to come in later on. So it's like this very delicate uh, cycle. (laughs) Your moods are affected. We now know that your moods are affected by your microbiome. So when you're mm. eating foods or chemicals that are put in foods, it's not just how it affects your cells. Right. It's how it affects these other cells. I mean, this is how complex things are. And we don't, we always right. think it's so simple, but it's more complex than that. Right, what's, right. What's on alien skin? Do we know? <laughs> well, we do have that case from Vargina, by the way. And that mm. moment of contact, this newer movie about the Vargina incident, which Dr. Mm. Roger Lear used to talk to us a lot about at these UFO conferences. Right. From Brazil, 19, I said 1996 or so. James Fox. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's very good. So there is that case, Amelia, of one of the extraterrestrials picked up by the firefighters who actually have a military role in Brazil. Firefighter picks him up and dies later that day. Oh, wow. And uh, oh, from touching him. Yes. So, so you couldn't handle it. Right. We don't know enough about this yet. And uh, his widow confirmed this. So right. simply right. picked up the extraterrestrial, they're taking him to the hospital, and he dies later on. Do, do we know what, what form of ET this was? Well, everyone should probably watch Moment of Contact. I, again, I haven't seen it yet, but I know it's going to be good if James Fox did it. I've seen his other movies, The Phenomenon and others. And uh, we you should watch that to find out. Uh, we don't know who they were, but they were telepathic. And Lear told us that the surgeon who operated on one of these ETs who didn't make it, mm-hmm. apparently the bodies were taken by U.S. Air Force planes. Of that course. Showed up. Well, there was an agreement between Brazil and the U.S. that they would we they would give us anything that fell out of the sky in return for something else. It was very interesting. This treaty. Yes. Well, I'm uh, sure there's a, there's a lot of those um, agreements. <laughs> well, the done. The surgeon said that he got this telepathic message from the ET while he was operating on him. Oh, God, that's crazy. And what the ET, I'll never forget, because Roger Lear told us it made such an impression on me. This must have been 15 years ago. Wow. He said that the ET said, I feel sorry for your species because you're so disconnected from nature. No. In my society, in this situation, all the other beings would gather around me and just spontaneously heal me. And you guys don't know how to do that. No, it's true. Like I said, I'm saying we we are a species that we're we are barely <clears throat> participants in our own lives. Mm. We it's really so don't. Sad. You know, we're ruled we, by technology, and we, we believe what we've been told. But yes. it changes every couple hundred years. I mean, there was yes. a time when people believed that the Earth was the center of the universe, and that this is the only planet that mattered. Nobody right. believes that anymore. Right. We're discovering new exoplanets all the time. There's new telescopes right. out there, James Webb. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, the universe is getting bigger and bigger. But the people right. that suggested this, Galileo, Copernicus, Bruno, mm-hmm. they paid a heavy price. Mm-hmm. Copernicus didn't even Especially in those times, though. Yes. yes. They did because there was one big authority. We've got it much better nowadays. Yeah. Talk about repression. I mean, the government was the Vatican back then, and they said... Mm. You're not allowed to believe in this, the heliocentric idea. You have to believe that the earth is the center of everything because that's what Aristotle taught us. That's true. Yeah, but yet the Vatican's the first to believe in that. Yeah. They aren't nowadays. 
but back then they were very repressive. So, I mean, compared to then, we've got it good, guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Things change. They do it's change true. over hundreds of years. Well, I think it's different times. And I think people right now are open also to wanting to know more. Some don't want anything to do with it. And some of it, I think, could be because of religious views as well. But I think you're finally, people are starting to wake up a little bit and they're willing, I think, to learn. And I think cryptids are one that they're easier for them to accept amazingly than an actual extraterrestrial, even though like they could potentially be one of the same. But I'm curious uh, because I was watching one of your um, interviews on your YouTube, to which I subscribe to, and um, I really enjoyed it. And you talked about one of your witnesses and others reporting missing time mm -hmm. when having um like having like witnessed one of these like i'll go with bigfoot for instance right the cryptids on average it almost sounds et like because that's where missing time is so we hear the missing time stories isn't it challenging to understand you we've yep. associated the missing time with et contact yes yes i have it in black swan ghost i have a witness joy yeah who lost eight hours of time on Mount St. Helens driving with a friend and all of a sudden they're back in their respective homes. Don't remember how they got there. Missing eight hours from when they remember this light coming down on the vehicle, car stalls, radio goes out. And then all of a sudden they're, they're back in there. What happened? Right. This To me, this was the most surprising thing to have. If Bigfoot is just some relic primate, right. a wild man or an escaped gorilla, Right. It's not going to create time loss because that doesn't happen no. to you when you're around these animals in the wild or at the zoo. None of us have ever gone to the zoo probably and had time loss, at least right. not like this. But that's what the witnesses say. They uh, describe they're looking at the Bigfoot, then they're back in their vehicle. Maybe 10 minutes went by. They don't know how they got back in the vehicle and it started. They're in this running vehicle or hours mm -hmm. of time go by or people seem to lose consciousness around these creatures sometimes and then wake up and it's night and they're in the woods and it's raining and mm -hmm. like hours have gone by and now they have to get back to their vehicle. Right. That's uh, like, again, we're talking like an energy thing, maybe a frequency thing. Well, <clears throat> you know, these sorts of more evolved materials, what I call coherent matter, you know, past plasmas, we're mm -hmm. all, with neon bulbs, right? Aurora Borealis. But when you self-organize that type of ionizing material, you end up with coherent matter. Right. However, you make it coherent. And that type of coherency can change the structure of space-time. And it can even change something that's called the permittivity of space, which is sort of a fundamental electrical constant. Mm -hmm. It can change the speed of light. And right. people that have researched these orbs, ball lightning, mm -hmm. cold fusion, Ken Shoulders, for example, who worked at SRI in microelectronics for the NSA before the remote viewing program. Mm -hmm. He's written many, he wrote many papers before he passed away about this, about how these sort of coherent energy balls create their own structure of space time. Like they're in a different reality than we are. They're in a, an envelope with a different permittivity uh, mm. constant than us which would make their speed of light faster compared to ours and all sorts of strange effects. I'm just speculating that being around that in a life form or in a technology like a UFO, however this 
because people have had this missing timer on ball lightning too, by the way. They, they, oh, they, really? They're, they're near the orbit and all of a sudden minutes, hours have gone by. They don't wow. remember. I think I have an example of that in Dark Matter Monsters right? that I heard on one of these Bigfoot type podcasts. Right. And right. Uh, I think it might have been Dave Polite's Missing 411 channel. Uh, and woman describes encountering a orb on a bridge and all of a sudden it's like a couple hours have gone by. It's, it's very late. Mm -hmm. You run into people like this all the time in this subject matter, even friends who uh, who say mm -hmm. that time they're in the woods. I have a case in here where someone I know in Colorado went for a hike in Estes Park. Mm -hmm. She and a friend of hers, they're 20 minutes into the woods on a trail. All of a sudden they're back in the parking lot. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Colorado, though. I mean, well, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. But it happened. Yeah, I learned about it from being in Colorado from all these folks who gradually told me their stories. But I imagine this happens anywhere. But, you know what this suggests to me? I mean, you can have other alternative interpretations that space time is more malleable than we think it is. We've been taught that it's just constant, mm -hmm. that there's a fixed speed of light. But even Albert Einstein, right, who developed special relativity theory was working on an idea that there was a variable speed of light and that mm. you know, all bets are off. When you have a variable speed of light, things are going to affect you in different ways. And the magnetism and electricity will be different if you have different yes. speeds of light since it's, it's yes. based on the, 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 you know, permeability, permittivity, and technically that's what it is. So that is the interesting thing to me around Bigfoot. That's a big clue that we're not dealing with a primate. Right. Or right. ordinary primate because, uh, you hear this more than you would expect. Now, the, a lot of Bigfoot researchers want it to be a primate. I know some of these people. Some of them are my relatives. Graduates, because I've talked with them recently. Right. They don't want any of this spooky stuff around their Bigfoot. They just want it to be the footprints. We, we all know what's going on. You know, everyone's heard this. They, the footprints and the. It's just a big gigantopithecus it's, yeah it's hard for some people to get their heads around something like that right but this is what the witnesses tell us and even the native americans have stories like this if you look into the native american traditions they all have a different name for bigfoot and they talk about yeah. it having special powers mm -hmm. and so forth and mm -hmm. um, so that's what makes it very challenging to understand so michelle this is normally what you associate with ufos and yes. this is what makes it hard for people to wrap their minds around is how something that seems ancient and primitive like Bigfoot have anything to do with UFOs. But my view is that Bigfoot is not, may, may be ancient, but it's not primitive. It's highly evolved in ways that whatever reason, and I don't totally know the answer, we went off in a different technological direction. We're definitely related to them. We look like them in a lot of ways. Mm. But they went off in a more paranormal direction. And mm. they don't need houses. They don't need clothes. They don't need cars because they can run as fast as a car on the highway. It's seemingly, and other cryptids too, you've heard stories <clears> about <throat> this. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, without yeah. even skipping a beat, they seem to be able to keep up with your car. Jonathan Dover, uh, the Navajo Ranger, yes, talked about a dog man keeping up with him on the highway at 85 miles an hour. I believe On the that. Navajo Reservation. So... What are we dealing with here? Um, that's 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 a good question. You know, I tend to wonder: Do they come in and out of portals, perhaps, like the Loch Ness monster? No way anything can survive there. 
you know, we've never seen any any evidence of, of habitat. There's nothing here that can feed them. Well, I don't know if you're coming out of the portal and popping back out. I guess it's not an issue. People but see that. We have to hold that thought with a station and sponsor ID. <laughs> now we have to do the actual work part of this. Everything else is enjoyment. <laughs> I, I was just like, what? <laughs> I know. So sorry, and I sorry. had the cup waiting I and then know, I got sorry. lost in that conversation. Yeah, I could go on and on See, right now. <laughs> it's it's us that the three of us, people like us who just make the holidays that much better <laughs> when we're at the family table, right? <laughs> Yeah, life of the party. <laughs> the weirdos take it. <laughs> oh no, I they love do it in my party. house. Yep, we always have good discussions. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you are listening to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Pisano, coming to you live from the beautiful city of New Orleans. On wait for it, not just one hundred five point three but 107.7 FM as well. Tonight, we've got Dr. Simon Hine in the house with his newest book, Dark Matter Monsters. Um, if you missed it, don't worry. You can get us an archive. Just stream or listen to our archives on the platform you normally use. Simply search United Public Radio and then The Outer Realm, and you'll be able to find all our shows, including from the beginning tonight's. Shout out and thank you to the amazing people at Folgers Coffee for fully sponsoring our show from day one. We love you and we thank you so much for your continued support. Shout out and huge thanks for our intro and outro to Dr. Snick, the Sonic Surgeon. Justin Snicker is an award-winning composer and musician. You can find his music on Amazon and Bandcamp and find him on Facebook and Instagram. Speaking of which, if you are watching us on social media or on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe. You love us. You're here. Just hit like. You haven't. What's wrong with you? Yeah, <laughs> we saying. need you. We need I say you. it with love. Thank you. I say it with love. Always. Um, getting back to missing 411, there's a lot of um, oh, you know, people speculate that Bigfoot is maybe responsible for some of these disappearances. What are your thoughts on that, knowing what you know with respect to you, what you perceive is, you know, I think it's a really good theory. Right. I think it has to be something that's considered as a possibility. Okay. I mean, uh, <clears throat> it's the, the interactions people have with Bigfoot uh, seem to me so complex. They're so varied, just like they are with people. Mm-hmm. As we were saying before, sometimes the encounters seem very helpful. They rescue people who've broken limbs in the forest. They bring them back down the path to cabins where they would have died up there. They feed them. Right. And they even keep away other wild animals while they're getting better. Wow. So Old they're, they're saving them, essentially. Dreams that have fallen in. Right. I mean, this has all been repeat. I've even heard cases of people <laughs> saying that, one of these creatures came out and put their car back on the road if it slipped off, you know, during someone going around a turn too fast after an emergency or something. They're trying to get to the hospital and they skid off the road and if it comes out and puts the car back on. See, that, be, that would wig me the hell right out. <laughs> Just, yeah, but sometimes they can come and pull your car off the road, too, and then yeah. push it over <laughs> while you're still in it. Exactly. Of, you read about these cases where they push cars over ledges and things. And I don't, you know, I don't know if jury is in yet whether they're actually taking people we've heard about these cases in the past of people who explorers in the west <clears throat> albert ostman and others right uh, who uh we've you you know uh, mm -hmm. 
you can read his account of being taken away. And I even talked to these Navajos at the Bigfoot Adventure Weekend in Bailey, Colorado last summer. Right. And it, they, the Sasquatch Outpost holds this event, and it's a couple of days out there in, in a known Sasquatch territory around Bailey, Colorado. And we spent a couple of nights going out to where they'd been seen. My group didn't see anything, but another group a couple of miles away had them in thermal imagers. They, they put it on YouTube. Wow. And you can see them. These beans, they don't look like moose to me. I mean, they're standing upright, and right. they said they heard howls. And they took us back the next morning and showed us how tall they would have been. Uh, where they saw them. And so these Navajo that were then, I worked with the Navajo during college. I went down to New Mexico and worked over the summer when I was uh, 18, 19 for several months out there in Rama. And so I was talking with them and they told me there was a case in the forties where a five-year-old was herding sheep with her family and disappeared and they searched for a couple of days, went farther and farther out into the woods, couldn't find her. And then mm. a couple of days later, she comes back and says that she was with these tall, hairy creatures. And they said, bear, right? And she said, no, they walked up to life. The <laughs> bear would have torn her apart. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Bear don't do that. And uh, right. most bears don't do that. <clears throat> so, but she said they fed her and they just wanted to spend some time with her. They weren't harmful. That's fascinating. And we do have cases of them talking to kids through walls and trying to, the kids will say they can hear them in their mind. The adults will see the Bigfoot outside, but they're talking telepathically. People report this, by the way, to another aspect of this is they can, even Les Stroud from Survivor Man Bigfoot talked about having this telepathic right. experience and he actually went to a psychiatrist to see if he was schizophrenic, which he wasn't. People report hearing them talking in your minds, sometimes, though, trying to trick you to go off the trail in the wrong direction. And with these kids, it just seems that they, the cases I know about, they, the kid, if the kid went outside, they just sort of played with the kid. It wasn't like they were harmful, but we don't know all of the stories and we don't know if this is responsible mm. for some well, I of think- kids are more in tune as well right like psychically they would be able to communicate telepathically like i said you know the adults have been dumbed down but the kids have got it together up until they get to that that point where they're you know fluoride and everything else you know i think they're just more in tune i I don't think it's fascinating um you know we we've just been taught to fear everything literally fear everything so we're we're not open you know, we've had so many people come on the show and talk about Bigfoot with a lot of different theories, which I find it's all super fascinating. You know, like, don't do this. It's a sign of war. Don't do that. You know, like they don't like that. Or I'm just like, God, you know, I'm afraid to go out anywhere. <laughs> just, you know, go out in the woods and just don't touch anything. <laughs> it's like, you know, walk through. I know. Just <laughs> don't do anything. Just, you know, don't tap a tree. Don't make loud noises. And, you know. But um, you made mention of Skinwalker Ranch Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit earlier. What are your thoughts on it? I mean, obviously with the TV show, everybody, you have a whole other generation of people that are curious about it. Whereas I was curious about it back when Bigelow was on it, you know, when they had like crazy stuff going on. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you definitely have these areas, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, Marley Woods in Missouri, which right. Ted Phillips studied. That was going to be the next half of my question. Other areas more sensitive than others yeah. to the state of activity. 
Yakima area in Washington, Elbert County. I mean, these these areas are named in Hunt for the Skinwalker, the first Skinwalker book, right? Wow. Okay. From okay. Keller and Knapp, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th there are areas, and I'm not sure exactly why these areas. I mean, you would just imagine that they would have a higher concentration of minerals and mm -hmm. elements that allow this coherent matter to form more easily than other areas. That's how my scientific mind thinks about it. And right. It could be wrong, but I would imagine there's something in the area that makes that formation of orbs and ball lightning coherent matter and yeah, all there's, the other there's a mix of everything literally comes along with that <clears throat> that's the real point is you don't just get orbs and ball lightning you get life right. forms that travel that frequency too like a paranormal highway okay and skinwalker right. ranch is one of those places I, I remember speaking to one of the witnesses who worked for Bigelow and I met him in the crop circles and he had spent time in front of the infrared cameras. He said, when they saw something like a, a doorway, a hole open up and a huge Bigfoot like creature step out of the road out of right. just where there was nothing. All of a sudden this creature comes straight up out of the ground, something like that, or drops out. I wasn't quite sure if it was down from a portal or up from the road, but he said they all saw it and they just walked away on two legs. And I mean, this is someone who actually saw it with their own two eyes. Right. So there are these areas where this happens. And I think it's important that we don't just create a lot of superstition around it. It doesn't necessarily mean that there are entities there. People right. often talk about the entities at Skinwalker Ranch. Right. Maybe I, that's I think it's just a generic term, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people, if you're not really versed in, in, I guess the the terminology, what else do you call them? Like when you have a mix of literally everything, like I imagine Bigelow's um, need or wanting to own this property for two decades and, and do the research is much different than, you know, the current owners and, and you know, the technology is different, but I mean, you know. You're, you're going to have a whole range of high strangeness activity. yeah that's okay In that's a perfect term where, high strangeness yes. where you have coherent matter phenomena yes, yes. you're going to get space-time slips you're going to have batteries yes. and cameras you're going to have cryptid showing up yes and things you probably don't even have names for right because it's a big universe and you're you're yes. all of a sudden you're you're off the highway you've taken the exit ramp from the typical highway we're on most of the time right into another universe where I think parallel realities become yes. involved. And this is what yes. Keller and Knapp say at the very end of Hunt for the Skinwalker. I'm going through the book. Now, this is interesting. Finally, the epilogue. They mentioned Hugh Everett III's Many Worlds idea. Hugh Everett being the grad student at Princeton right. in physics, worked yes. under John Archibald Wheeler, you know, very mainstream physicist, worked yes. in Manhattan Project. Right. And whoever comes up with this idea that they're par alternate realities to what we see, which is he believes is the simplest explanation of quantum mechanics, right. not a wave function collapse. Is that there's all these descriptions of any, you know, any area of reality, but mm -hmm. we're only seeing a sliver of it, but all the other ones still exist. Well, how do you know they're not bleeding through to us some of the time or that? I okay, agree. think about it this way. There are these walls between realities that keep yes. us and you and me in the same one. We're having this conversation right now. Yes. Let's say the walls get thinner, just like we were talking about permittivity changing in materials and right. speed of light changing. Well, maybe it's not always constant and you get this bleed through. 
from other realities. My <laughs> producer says all the time, ghosts are just dimensional bleed-throughs. <laughs> I razz them about them all the time, word. but it makes the most sense. Uh, don't tell yeah. him. He's oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's got a science degree. He's ex-Navy and he's yeah, big we on still, the UFOs. We still, well, that, we still, we would, yeah, we still argue with dimensional bleed-through. Ghosts, oh. that's what ghosts are. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want him to know right. that. <laughs> no, <laughs> it'll never happen. So, <laughs> I agree. Though. It, so there are positive. different ways of looking at many worlds. Some people don't believe whoever it's interpreted. There's newer right. ideas based on whoever it called many interacting worlds, which is that the universe, the, the universe is actually a multiverse made of parallel realities and that yes. they do have slight influences. Mainstream scientists have said this. This is not weird wacko woo woo stuff this is mainstream physicists saying this is the easiest way to look at quantum mechanics right. is that there's interaction with other realities right. even folks at oak ridge in tennessee have looked at the idea of a mirror parallel earth just one type of parallel reality and they're they want i don't know if they did these experiments you know it's firing neutrons into materials and seeing how long it takes to decay free neutrons and there's a discrepancy and they should be decaying at a certain rate they don't and they're thinking that they're veering off into another parallel parallel reality like a time sharing project coming back to ours so this would be the idea that particles from our reality why not are spending time in other realities and particles from those realities are spending time in our realities this is not as far out as people would think if you look at the mathematics and the rationale behind it, it's just all, another way to look at what quantum mechanics already right. said happens. So, yeah, I think right. places like Skinwalker Ranch and these other paranormal hotspots, as they call, are called, you know, are actually places of bleed through. For, and, and this is what Knapp and Carol are say finally in the epilogue. I think it would have been a good way to start the book, but whatever. You know, right. be careful not to go too far when you know another publisher and you know, but right. that's they're suggesting it there. And uh, I mean, what what's a better explanation than that? Where are they going and where do they disappear to? Because Skinwalker Ranch has such a range of strange phenomena out there, things right. that were invisible. You remember the ranch rancher Sherman? He says that there was something yes. running alongside his vehicle. <laughs> could see it splashing in the water but he couldn't see anything right I mean, how many people does it take to say they're seeing this people have experienced this in yellowstone national park they swear something passed them on the path they can yes. hear leaves crunching yes. they don't see anything it's true like, and we're just like yes just like octopus cuddle i mean it's just an extension beyond what we already see in animals doing it and by the way defense contractors have patents in this type of process so who's to say someone else didn't figure it out? Literally, in cloaking, uh, Lockheed Martin. Right. Uh, mm. it, uh, invisibility cloaking. It's action. hard to believe. Like, they, they know about it. They do it. And it's they just one of those things that we're not allowed to know about all this. A Ronhoff-Bohm effect. It's one of the spooky fundamental discoveries of quantum mechanics is that even things that don't register on any electromagnetic equipment, you could get your magnetometer around it or something to detect electric fields, zero. But if in the potential energy, there's some energy there, potentially particles right. will register it as they move near it, even though 
you wouldn't see anything. No machine would measure it. It's only in the math, but the particle shows you it's there. That proves to us that things that are invisible can have a real effect on our reality. Well, I, I have a question for you then. Um, I often like to test equipment, um, just, you know, working with it within, I mean, you know, I work in many different fields, but paranormal, ufology, things like that. And I was testing a piece of equipment and just talking about time slips real quick and just to see if this is what you would categorize it as. And we started listening to something like something came through and it was like an old prop plane and like an, I've got to be listening to a bad fifties movie or something. This is, this is crazy. Right. And um, it wasn't people started speaking to us. And what was strange was they could see us sitting there. And I said, what are your coordinates? It goes, and they gave us two out of three coordinates. And he goes, I go, what's, what's your rank position major? So-and-so man, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, it, they were over somewhere over the Pacific. And I'm like, okay. Then all of a sudden, they're like, there's a man and a woman. They're sitting at a table. I'm like, because they have electricity. The door, it's open. I'm like, do not go through that door. Whatever the heck. I had this vision of this freaking bomber coming through my house or something. What would you categorize something like that? Is that indeed a time slip? or am I, I mean, it's intelligent. It wasn't just like a residual sound because they were responding. They were responding, but yeah. it sounded like something from the past. To what it they... sounded like something like in the 50s, obviously, like maybe World War II era. No, this is real. I've heard too many cases of this, including friends. Wow. Uh, where they literally went into restaurants or bars that they next day they went back and they were, had been closed for decades. But they remember being there. Then everyone in the group remembered being there. They noticed that. The t Here's the thing about these time slips. People who go into these restaurants or bars or hotels will feel like something's off, just like you're saying. Right. They will get the feeling like this feels like something from another decade, but they go and eat there or spend some time yeah. there anyway, only to wonder later with the rest of the group or whoever they were with, what was that? They go back and it's not there. Yeah. See, this, this is a full on, like I recorded it because. You recorded what? it. Oh, well, right. <laughs> I think it's, I think other Future and past is parallel realities to us now. Yeah, I agree. And they do bleed through, which is why you can do accurate predictions of the future sometimes if you take your time to do it. We did an experiment with it in our RV Institute in Boulder and were able to predict uh, stock market activity a week ahead of time, 10 out of 10, 10 times correctly. It was, wow. it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. It just is so yeah, that's what you expect. But I, I think five years later, exact same time, exact same date, everything. Couldn't get it. So you tried again later. Yeah. I tried a year later. I tried to recreate, like, okay, you know, maybe it's the way the planets were lined up. I, I this the right, right. circumstance. I don't know. Sort of hmm. thing. And and when I, I've heard people discuss this in, at conferences and would mm -hmm. go into one one guy was around the Oregon vortex. Mm -hmm. Um and uh and he said they he and the snowstorm came in. It's around Bend, Oregon, somewhere around there. Right. Anyway, goes in and then everything was weird about this hotel motel. Right. I mean, it was five dollars a night. It wow. Was <laughs> I'd be scared to stay in a place that was five bucks a night in these days. Yeah. And they, days. <laughs> yeah. There was a Chinese innkeeper, but they couldn't find him again later. So they just had weird Ooh. dreams the night. So let's get out of here. That's crazy. Storm passes. They go back. 
and then uh, it's not yeah. there. They're, they go back exactly where the nothing there. And, and here's the thing, Michelle. I told this to another radio host the other day, and he said that he had had, he knew a woman had an encounter in the same area around the Oregon vortex where she slid off the road in a snowstorm. Right. She sees some houses, goes, knocks on the door, very friendly guy comes out, gets his tractor, pulls her back onto the road. She goes back again another day. There, there was a guardrail there. There were no houses. Oh, nothing. Wow. So and, like, it just seems so like, like it's just an everyday occurrence. You know, you hear about people who walk outside their house to the backyard and they're, they come in and, and everything is different and they walk back around and they're back in their current time. Like it's that, it's that easy. Well, what do you think, Amelia? <laughs> I I think time slips are real, but I also believe like, you know, the, the multidimensional thing is a big thing for me, especially being a remote viewer and being able to read through. I don't like to talk about what I can see, but, you know, being able to read through the dimensions. I'm trying to do it without sense, sounding like an a-hole. Um, she can RB through dimensions is what she's trying to say. I don't like way. to, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that yeah. person. I work usually anonymously. Yeah. So um, I don't discuss like cases and things like that. There's a reason why it has to be yeah. a part this of because the outer realm. <laughs> Come on. I know, no, right? I know. But I mean, I don't really I, okay. talk about what I do. Okay. Okay. Fine. Sort no, of thing, but fine. yeah, I do. I do believe that I believe in everything. It's so hard. It's, I believe in the interdimension. I believe in time slips. I believe in lost time. I have, I think a lot of us have had this experience where we're driving on a, a highway in Canada, we call them highways or, you know, uh, and you, you get to your exit and you're like, what the flipping, how, how did here? this happen? <laughs> yeah. I right. swear to God, I got in my car five minutes ago, you know, and I think we've all had that experience where I've even had the experience where I've seen that exit and could have sworn I exited it and I'm back again. And I'm like, what the hell? Then when I hear people talk about how they're abducted and then they're dropped back sometimes sloppily a few minutes before and their memory is still in that moment, it kind of scares me, you know, but I'm a person who likes to be in control. I'm not a drinker. I don't do recreational drugs. I need to be in control of my environment at all times. So yeah. I couldn't do what I do if I did get into that and that's a whole other segment because people come at me yeah they'll, they'll come at me with the ayahuasca and i i don't i don't care if you do it i just can't do it i need to know where i'm at what's around me at all times i literally feel like i walk with eight eyes on my head at all times mm -hmm. i'm very sensitive to everything around me right. you know i like i'm just very sensitive i'm I remember I told Michelle this story. I'll tell it really, really fast because we're at the end um, where I was in a merge with my daughter and my daughter, my husband, and we're in a merge at Sick Kids Hospital. And I could hear something before I could see it and hear it before it was anywhere near me. And I moved my daughter and my husband into an examination room and closed the curtains and looked out. And there there's a there's a prison. They they do take care of inmates there. And the guy was running from the police and security with the chain link on his ankles and wrists. 
And John just looked at me and said, I don't even know how you saw that. I go, I have, I just felt it, saw it, heard it before it was even there. Yeah. You know, I'm just, that's who I am. So if you add alcohol to that, I can't function. <laughs> right. No, no. Yeah. It's a great story. Oh, thanks. And that's a great yeah. story. And a lot of people have had experiences like that from time to time or heard about them. And now you've shared another one where you had a precognitive experience. It actually, yeah. it actually caused you to take action, which saved you from injury or something. It's happened mm -hmm. a few times it's, like it's happened with other people as well yeah yeah deja vu yeah. is a big thing for me too that i don't understand do you yeah. have any opinions on deja vu I, I think it's in the same ballpark here i mean when things need to break through your ordinary sense of reality they find a way to tunnel through to warn you ahead mm -hmm. of time and and you could ignore it like we do sometimes and then you realize wow that was a real premonition i should have mm paid attention yeah. to that. No, I think it's all, and this is why some of these topics are hard to talk about. I think the way nature designed us, we're focused on survival, what matters right in the next moment. It's not what's happening out there far away. And mm -hmm. we're all curious about these topics, but it seems that our consciousness always wants to push us back to what's right in front of us because that's has survival value. And then society, the way we're brought up, and this is in that fantastic documentary uh, a flash of beauty, Bigfoot revealed that newer documentary on Bigfoot. They have psychiatrists and psychologists at the end of the show for about 20 minutes saying, not only do people have PTSD from their Sasquatch encounters because they don't, they didn't think it was real, and there it is, and it's big and fast, yeah. and loud. Right. Uh, they might not even remember it. And so I'm beginning to wonder whether all of us have this reservoir of so-called paranormal phenomena that we've experienced that we don't remember. I mean, it would still be there. It would make sense. Yeah. Maybe if you hit notes. Right. Yeah. Because you're, it's, it's only so much your brain can handle beyond yeah. what you've been taught is real. And you agree with other people around you past a certain boggle point. Mm. It seems that you won't even remember the experience just because right. you're, mind is seemingly protecting you from something that doesn't fit in any box. Right. And otherwise you might go psychotic or something. Oh yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so we're all challenged yeah. by the unknown, but I think it's right. healthy to explore it. I mean, this is reality. And do we want to believe a cartoon version of reality or do you want to know right. what's really going on? Yeah. It's and like it might be really cool. It's not just scary that something, I mean, this could be really cool stuff that we find ourselves learning more about ourselves too. That's where it always happens. And this is why we need to explore it. And it, I think it's it, about it, evolution. It's about <clears throat> a, yeah, it's evolution. Who are we and how are we related to these other life forms that are out there? Mm. You know, do, I mean, do you believe that that some extraterrestrials are um, humanity from the future? Could be. Yeah. Like that some of the time, these messages that people get from these entities, yeah. they say we're just you in the future. And we find a way to do time travel as humans. Mm, certainly yeah. some of us would probably going back occasionally and seeing how did they live back then you know how did they survive with all yeah well, just testing the same equipment i had a message that came through and uh i asked who they were it was just sort of not typical and they said we are you you are us we're one and i just kind of went all right <laughs> how do you respond to that it's like okay great that's <laughs> that's, yeah that's a creepy message yeah creepy but yet wow Right? Like, because we don't know how to handle that kind of we, information. We have these social identities we've all grown up with since we were very young. Yes. We're taught this from the moment we're born. Is this yes. who you are? 
Yes. And and that isn't who you are. That's just the story that you were told by your culture and your society and your parents. And it serves Agreed. a purpose. It does allow Agreed. you to be a practical conditioning. You know, yeah. Yeah. But the drawback, the limiting side of it is we don't have a good grasp of reality outside the box. And I think a lot of us now are at a time where we really want to know what's outside the box because it comes into the box. If it's coming into the box, I think we should have a joint expedition, all of us to right. go outside the box together. Right. <laughs> and let's find out who's out there. And I think it'd be, it's, it's fascinating. And, and isn't this what inspires us to keep going is that there's more to learn. So don't be scared then. Just be no, adventurous. Don't be scared. I mean, don't be scared. And don't be scared to, you're going to run any cryptids in the woods. That's my view. I mean, be prepared, mm. pay attention, but don't stop living your life. Right. I mean, I don't think that would be the purpose. I, I have been out in the outdoors so many times by myself for days, weeks, and months, and I've never encountered anything oh, really? scarier than a moose or a black bear that might have had young cubs around or something. That's right. just me. So. Right, right. Yeah, well, it's funny. I always tell the story. We have a uh, family has a, a property, you know, of... Uh, uh, about a hundred acres and it had a caretaker on it and five o'clock in the morning, he said he could hear tree knocking and he was indigenous. So, you know, he goes, well, you know, being logical and it's five o'clock in the morning it's dark. I know nobody's out there cutting wood. And I'm like, so what were your thoughts on it? And he goes, well, that's <laughs> okay. I panic, it. It's panic, right. panic. Yeah, don't go out there smacking pans around. Apparently that's a sign of war. <laughs> We didn't know that. See, we learn from our guests all the time. <laughs> we learn from our That's guests. That's why we yeah. have you here. Yeah. So I don't we, know. we hear about encounters where friends go out into the woods. <laughs> they encounter a Sasquatch or a Dogman or something, and they never talk about it again, and they never are friends again after they oh. encounter. Right. Their friendship breaks up over what yeah. they saw. I can mm -hmm. see. Yeah, well, it's traumatic. I can it's see how traumatic, that, and yeah. one says never talk about it again. It might affect my reputation, and or it all of a sudden breaks down very quickly. And it happens to UFO experiencers too. There's something about that feeling of loss of control in a group, mm -hmm. and you don't want to revisit it in your mind because it could feel scary, and the, the people don't want to meet each other again. We know we've heard this in so many UFO abduction experiences where the witnesses didn't want to talk about it with the other people that were there. In fact, they never wanted to see them again because it just reminded them of this. Right. Yeah. And, and some people are afraid of losing their jobs. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. another aspect of it, but I think we should get beyond that. We should just accept that these are real phenomena. That's how I feel as mm -hmm. a sociologist, instead of pushing this away, like we did with child abuse, mm -hmm. it took a meeting in the 1960s, two meetings in Chicago mm -hmm. and DC for, professionals to get together to admit that child abuse was happening instead right. of it just being kids falling out of trees or bullies. They oh, right. could not accept that parents were doing this to their kids and no doctor wanted to confront any parents, but they, they had a meeting. Mm -hmm. I learned this from Ron Westrom, another sociologist who's written about this. It's a hidden event until it stops being a hidden event. And these phenomena that we're talking about here have traumatized far too many people. We know too many people that are afraid. I personally mm -hmm. know people like this who are afraid to go back in the woods. No, I don't think it should be like that. I think we should have a conversation about what we're encountering out there and deal with it rationally. If they yeah. are abducting some of us and taking some of us away, we should know about that too, if that yeah. could be going on. But let's deal with it realistically and mm -hmm. stop kids about this. That's what I think. Right. Yeah, maybe right. start by walking in a park instead of going deep into a forest right. because mm -hmm. it's like a car accident. If you don't get in the car right away, 
you you may never drive again. You know, mm-hmm. just from that fear. Minor collisions. Happen to you're a little yeah. jittery. It's happened to all that. You're just jittery for a while. You just have to keep mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. yeah. Take the bull yeah. by the horns. That's Until right. the next time it happens. Yeah, well, yeah, I've been in a few, but I remember my first one. My dad, it was somebody who had hit me. I didn't even get, I was going for my license. I was with the instructor. But anyways, I didn't, I was just proceeding on the green. that's not encouraging right there. You know? Right? Just, yeah. No, it's just crazy. He came out of a, uh, across the street and went across three lanes and asked his his passenger right. if the way was clear. So as soon as that went up in front of the judge, it was over for him. But anyways, um, I remember going home and my dad looking at me and saying, you need to go in that car. You need to get in that car right now and we're going to drive. But I think with people who have experiences like that, that's in part, it's an important Mm -hmm. part of healing Mm -hmm. and taking back the control, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And it's such a, it's such a good point, Amelia, because we we know people that have experienced various types of trauma. And, and yeah. one reaction is not to want to go outside anymore. And we hear this about people that have encountered more potentially violent cryptids that they're literally afraid to go outside at night. Yeah. And it just, I think it's just like a car, like you're saying with a car accident, the, the trauma is something that we can deal with and there's ways to learn to overcome the fear and just continue on with your life. We don't want people that are afraid to go outside because of cryptids, but Ooh. the reason the trauma is so harsh is because they've never been they didn't think it was real right they decided mm-hmm. this can't exist it's They're not a fairy tale creature right it's not mm-hmm. only at you seven feet high not too yeah. far away i haven't encountered it but people do they're there I see that i would love to see <laughs> i mean we share space with a whole other world of beings we and do. i think that we need to realize that we ourselves you know are are probably the, the low man on the totem pole with respects to how long we've been here. And uh, I'm sure on a big level, we're tolerated. <laughs> so, you know, and some uh, of but, us aren't, some of us, uh, yeah. Survival of the tolerate foods. everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but we are, we are at That's the top show. of the hour. Yeah. And we're, I can't believe it. it's like, we're here already. It just seems like it went so, so quick. Like, thank you so much for well, coming on you. and sharing I, all this information. <laughs> I keep wanting to ask you, when are we going to start the interview? <laughs> oh, right. I know. I'm sick. Great. It's, like it's been great. You're amazing. Um, thank you. No, thanks, yeah. thanks, guys. I really enjoyed this. It was really fun talking with you. And thanks for oh, the audience. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is the part of the show where you tell everybody what you know you have coming up, how they can find your book, your website. Really? Are you writing another Octopus. book? Octopus. Yeah. Hold them all up if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy <laughs> to send people signed. If you Now, my blog is New Crystal Mind. Dot com newcrystalmind.com and i'm happy to send people signed copies oh nice yeah i have remote viewing classes that people can go through at their own pace you can find this on, on new crystal mind oh that's fantastic you can do some where i help out or just at your own pace on your own and a, a couple times a year i do live classes and uh we nice. do have our bigfoot cryptid zoom group now which we hold on i think that's fantastic we're hearing from someone tomorrow night that said his entire family saw a huge black dog walk through the wall in the house and out the other wall and his dad still talks about it his dad was an arkansas state trooper (laughs) oh my gosh they all saw it they get the so, best visions. <laughs> they get the best sightings. They're out there. Oh so God. I think this is a fantastic area of research. What are we encountering? And I think, well, I want to know what sort of multiverse we live in, don't you? 
So anyway, no well, thanks for listening, folks, and and uh, I appreciate everyone. Oh, it was fantastic. YouTube, Twitter, you can contact me there too. There you go, people. So thank you very much. And um, I'll be in touch. I'll email. I like to email people after the show and uh, just let them know how many were listening. <laughs> so, and with links, I'll send you links. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right. Thank you. <laughs> See you next time. All right. Okay. Thank you. Good night. Well, that was awesome. Just a wealth of information. Um, I could just listen to him all night. Seriously, he just has great stories. So big thank you to Dr. Simon Hine for joining us tonight and just giving us so much of his knowledge. Big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring tonight's show. Big thank you also, Dr. Snick, Justin Snicker, for his time, his music, his voice for our intro and outro. So guys, please subscribe, join, follow, whatever the case may be, wherever you're listening. Uh, we appreciate you so much and uh, we appreciate your support. If you'd like to contact us, please do so one of two ways. Email the outer realm contact at gmail.com. Again, the outer realm contact at gmail.com or just go to the outer realm on Facebook and click the email button. Oh, nice and easy. Uh, Thursday night, we welcome the return of Richard Stanley all the way from the south of France. He's going to be joining us and we're going to be talking everything Lovecraft. So, I mean, who doesn't love HP Lovecraft? Mm. I, I, I really dig him. So anyway, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So please tune in. Until then, behave and we'll see you tomorrow.